Hey, welcome to Steve McGrath's Basecraft. So, uh, yeah, things are kind of getting back to normal in my world. I'm back doing in-person lessons next week. I have a few school visits this week, teaching bass and some music tech around um, where I live. And, uh, yeah, it's at the same time brilliant that things are opening up. Well, I have no gigs till next year, or well, I think November at best. But um, it's great that things are opening up, but it's also scary that this lovely routine that I'm after farming is going to have to change and I'll be have to be a bit more scheduled with my time. Like I'm getting loads of practice in, I'm making loads of podcasts, YouTube videos, but I can also do whatever I want in the middle of the day. I can play video games, go for a walk, pretty much go for a cycle, do whatever I want, make guitars. And now it, things are coming back to normal. So I'm going to have to have a bit more of a regimented schedule. So I hope my productivity will stay at the same level, even though the world is returning and there'll be lots of distractions and also that I have to go places and do stuff. But with that in mind, if any of you have any more guests you think I should have on, drop me a line. I'm totally open to that. Some of the, the best guests I've had on came from your suggestions and you guys giving me their emails. So um, uh, type of guests I haven't had much on would be people who are, you know, who don't really have much presence on social media or any of that, but are in rock bands. I've been in touring bands for years and it's actually quite hard to track down an email address for one of those guys because they don't really have any interest in all this internet stuff a lot of the time. But um, So yeah, if you have any suggestions for guests, let me know. So today's guest is Ivan Curanta and um, Ivan, I've, I've been following his stuff for a long time on um, Instagram and YouTube and he, he does he puts up really interesting content reviews and lessons and stuff like that and he's a real solid player. He's uh, originally from Peru but he's been living in Germany and studying music for the last few years. So um, yeah, we, we kind of be chatting off and on a lot and Ivan um, had a he got knocked down there in November so a lot of the chat we were talking about that and his recovery process so uh, it's a very casual um, conversation this time and we're just chatting about life and bass and stuff like that so I hope you enjoy it and as usual don't forget to like subscribe review this wherever you are or leave a comment and um, yeah I'll talk to you in a minute so Ivan what's going on what's going on with you uh I'm like sort of starting my my old everyday life back again at the moment. That's great. <laughs> after, after you know, um, after being hit by a car. <laughs> I know. Um, I've been following your progress. Like it's yeah, it's tough, man. Watching what you've gone through. <laughs> it was uh, definitely a life changing experience, not to say the least. But I'm getting better after my surgery, so. Uh, it's all going pretty well. I mean, do you want to tell us what so happened? Tell tell the people. <laughs> yeah, um, I was. It's like I really have bad luck. Um, I was grocery shopping because I wanted to cook with the with the girl that I was dating back at the time, and literally this happened like I don't know, like hundred meters to my left, right in front of my doorstep. I was grocery shopping across the street. I had everything on my backpack, and here in Germany we have. Uh, traffic lights for the pedestrians and the cars. So I was on the corner and I could see my doorstep, right? From the other side. And I was waiting at the traffic light. And then it was like green for me. So I start to cross to the other side. And I was like maybe two steps away from reaching the other side of the street. And I see on the corner of my eye, a car 
trying to turn and go into the street where I was crossing. And there's like a dot, there's like dotted lines for the pedestrians to cross and the mm. cars have to stop there, right? And, you know, I see the, the car in the corner of my eye, but just barely. And the next thing that I remember is that for me, it was, uh, everything was black. And as weird as I, it might sound, I remember like very clearly hearing in my head a voice that said, you know, okay, this is, this is it. Yep. Yeah. Close the book. Bye. You, you know? got the slow motion effect. It was like, yeah, it was it like everything black. And then I just heard that. And the other thing that I remember hearing was uh, like my brain telling me to tighten up, you know, to stay tight. And when I opened up my eyes, I was laying on the floor uh, with my back against the floor. And luckily, my backpack with all the things that I had bought, the groceries, like protected my back and my neck and my head. Otherwise, I would have hit the concrete and who knows what would have happened. Really? What, what was in it? Yeah. Like vegetables and stuff like that? Yeah, vegetables. Uh, it was a package of eggs and even oh. that survived. Yeah. Uh, vegetables, bananas and rice and stuff. And that protected me, but my, you know, I wake up, I mean, I opened my eyes and my knee was really hurting. So I wanted to st immediately, as a reflex, I wanted to stand up, but a lady came running to me and was like, no, stay there. Mm. And then they called the police and the ambulance and they took me to the hospital and, you know, got my x-rays done. And as weird as also it might sound, the doctors were like, okay, you don't have any, any bones broken. But you might have a torn ligament there, but you got to figure that out on your own. So here, you're free to go. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, I would have thought that Germany is, has a really good health system that they look after you no matter what. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's a good system, but I noticed dealing with this, that there are some things where there's room Wait, for improvement. Is that because of COVID though? They were, they were, they were probably like, uh, get them out of here because that's happening a lot these days. Um, I don't think so. I think it has to do with the type of insurance that you have mm. and the severity of your of your accident. Um, a doctor explained to me that if you don't have a, bone, a, a broken bone, uh, then it's not so bad that it needs to be fixed right away. So that's what they what they send you back home. And I had to go back. You know, they gave me crutches and a, and a brace, but I had to call a friend. And then we went home, but I was in a lot of pain. And then the next day I had to go to a doctor to, to get an MRI and I had to wait two weeks for that. And, you know, it's, it's a, lot, a process that has stretched out a lot. And luckily I've, I just got my surgery in January. And that's probably the most painful thing I've been through mm. uh, after, the, you know, after the surgery. Maybe because... I stopped taking the pain pills that they gave me because I was feeling terrible with them. Yeah, just what what kind of symptoms? Just upset stomach and just everything. Yeah, um, you know, I, I I was feeling like dizzy the whole day. I wanted to sleep, didn't want to eat. I wanted to throw up, and I I, I thought you know I'd rather deal with the pain than feel mm. pain and feel like crap. You know, <laughs> that's terrible. So, yeah. This was when when we, did you get hit? Was it like uh, November or something? Was it? Yeah, November, the beginning of November. God. So and right now it's like late March, and I just got cleared to lift my knee brace so I can walk again with you know just like this. Still feels weird, but I'm making progress. 
God, yeah, it's been some ordeal, like, because um, I fo- I've been following you for a good few years, like, and you're, cr- it's crazy the amount of content you put up, like, videos and, what was it, a few videos a week nearly for a year you were doing? Yeah, I, I mean, for the past year, until November, I was putting three videos a week. That's crazy. And, th- and then just to not be able to do it at all, not even be able to play the bass, like, for that many months. Yeah, um... You know, it's uh, it's interesting because I I finished my master's degree in music in summer 2020, and when I finished, I was kind of depressed actually. Because That's normal though. Like the, the brilliant thing about doing a degree is you don't have to think about the future. You're in you're in that bubble for four years, and it's yeah. like. Oh, this is brilliant. All I have to think about is music. I don't really, as long as you have enough money to survive, you don't have to think about those big adult stu- adult decisions. You're like, this is it. But when you finish, then you're thinking, what am I going to do now for the rest of my life? I need to make a plan. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I was teaching the whole time while I was studying, you know, and making the videos and usually playing shows. But when I finished, you know, finishing a master's degree in music in the middle of a pandemic where there's no live music, yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like... Okay, what am I gonna do with this? <laughs> mm. Oh, that's true. I know we're all in the same boat. Like, I I yeah. usually would make most of my money from gigs, like, and, and now it's teaching all the time. But are you are you yeah. teaching bass? Is it or other instruments? Yeah, yeah, bass. God, I, yeah. there's not as much demand for bass lessons where I, where I am, but there's a, there's enough demand there. Like, uh, I lost you for a second. Can you repeat it? Sorry, uh, I was saying there's not a crazy amount of demand for bass lessons here where I live, but there's enough where you are like to be busy and to make a living. Well, I teach at, at uh, two different schools, so that's where I get my students from. Mm. Um, but there's, I mean, there are a, a lot more guitar players, right, looking for, for lessons than bass players. So getting bass players is uh, students is definitely tougher, but I get enough that I can, you know, pay some, some stuff. Um, and that's what I was doing, you know, until I, or until November, until the accident, you know, I graduated. And when I got my, my certificate, you know, I was pretty depressed, kind of, you know, that was weighing on me. And I just kept teaching and making the videos. And then the accident happened and that was like, you know, another <laughs> hit. And I haven't played like consistently for, like you mentioned, like for six months, five mm. months. And I'm just starting to pick up my bass again and, and practice and, you know, get the fingers still moving. Uh, but I took the the time off, so to speak, and the little time I could somewhat comfortably grab an instrument and start to learn how to play guitar. Yeah. Is that the first and time you picked up a guitar? Like you never noodled around or played them at all? I I mean, I could play power chords, but that doesn't really count. <laughs> no. <laughs> so, so I was like, you know, learn open chords and the arpeggios and, you know, to bend and stuff like that. I'm still nowhere near good, but just to, to understand how the instrument works, mm. because it is definitely different than a bass. Oh, definitely. I, I, I'm going to get shot for saying this, but I think it's easier to do a good guitar solo than a good bass solo. <laughs> you can rely on like a lot of bends and cool licks yeah. and it's going to sound good. Yeah. One thing that I've noticed of, uh, now that I'm practicing bass again is that I think that um, my playing has improved from playing guitar as well to learning uh, phrasing wise because like just like you said, 
uh, the bendings and all the, those little phrasing things that you can do on a guitar. Um, maybe you can't do all of them on the bass, but the concept behind them is, is transferable. So yeah. that's been interesting for me so far to notice. Yeah, Cody Wright does a lot of kind of um, guitar bass licks, but on, mm-hmm. on the bass and they work really well. He he figured yeah. it out, like how to transfer them. Like. Yeah. Yeah, it's cool. Deadly. And um, so you're in Germany, but you're actually from Peru originally. Yes, I was born and raised in, in Lima, Peru. That, yeah. It's a bit of a jump, isn't it? Like to, to just go all the way to Germany. <laughs> yeah. Um, the thing is that I am pretty mixed family wise. My great grandma was from Germany. I also have Russian roots, uh, Spanish roots. I'm half Argentinian. Um and so there's a lot of, you know, ethnicities mixed up in there. And my parents sent me to a German school in Peru so that I learn a third language as well. Is that normal, like, that to be German schools and stuff in Peru? Uh, no, it's not normal. Um, <laughs> it was a private school. But the thing is that the education system in Peru, the public schools are terrible. I mean, like, really, really, really bad. Because so over here, everyone a... just goes to public school. It's It would be not the norm to go to a private school. It's the norm that everyone just goes to the public schools because they're pretty good. Like, Yeah. Yeah, but they sent me to, to this school because I mean, the education was better and the additional language that you can learn. And so I, I started learning German there. And originally, I didn't want to pursue music. Um, I was just learning how to play bass. Of, you know, just out of hobby. But my music teacher the last two years, he was like, he was a, an upright bass player. Mm. Excuse me. Um, a jazz upright bass player. And he was like, hey, you're actually pretty good. Have you thought <laughs> <Pretty> about <good. laughs> st- studying music? And I was like, yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure. But then he kept pushing the, you know, the idea there, planting the seed. So I started preparing for, uh, you know, admission exams and I flew here. Uh, that was 2011, I think. And would you say you were a student of the instrument? You know, like you teach yourself now. So, you know, some kids come in, they're just doing it for a hobby and to, to do at the weekend. And then there's kids who are really into it. They, they go into yeah. the shed. Were you that kid? Like, or were you the fellow who was just doing it for the for the fun of it? Well, I was practicing like on my own probably six hours a day. Okay, <laughs> you were in the shade. Yeah. You were serious. Yeah, yeah. It, because it was fun. You know, I yeah. wanted to be better. I wanted to, to improve and play. Um, but there's definitely students that I, for my students that I, t- I can tell like, okay, this this kid is really good, you know. Mm. Um, this definitely there's, uh, they pick up the ideas fast and I can just show them advanced stuff like from from the beginning as well, because they just catch the ideas pretty fast. Mm. That for me, I have to say, and I'm, I'm being very honest, it's not the case. <laughs> I, I struggle with a lot of stuff. Yeah, me um, too. I was very slow and I'm still a bit of a slow learner when it comes to things, mm-hmm. but I just work hard at them. Yeah, exactly. I do too. I, I do the same thing. I just practice as much as I can and try to, to get things uh, the way I would like them to sound. Yeah, like today I was learning this Mac Miller bass line. And I'm sure like other people would do it and they'd have it like that. But I literally spend all day on about eight bars trying to get it exactly right. Get the timing. But I don't know. That's just Which my song? process. Uh, I keep forgetting the name. Let me Google it there. 
Yeah. Uh, come back to earth. Okay. Uh, this, I don't have it in my head right now. No, it's playing in my head one. Nice guy. Is it Thundercat uh, on co- bass? It's just like a, it's not Thundercat. No, it's whoever produced the album. And there's no drums. It's just a little bit of keyboard, ca- guitar, voice, and a P bass with a pick and a bit of tremolo is what it sounds like. Yeah. Cool. I'm going to check it out. Oh, it's class. Really intricate kind of um, Jamerson kind of bass line. Yeah. B- bit of learn- but in fairness, you, you were able to learn some hard enough things. You did like a cover of what was of um, the Dean Town there before you got hit, didn't you? Yeah, um, that I, I decided to learn that because a lot of my students wanted to learn that song, and I was like, you know, I'm gonna transcribe it and then just learn it. And for example, on that thing, uh, I spent to get it to the right tempo and fluidity so that I feel comfortable with that. I definitely spent a couple of weeks practicing mm. that. I've been thinking of putting up more videos where like I'm fucking up bass lines and showing the process. I'll have like yeah. maybe when I do this Mac Miller one. I put up me playing it perfectly and then I'll put loads of the clips of me making an absolute balls of it. <laughs> so people can see that like there's no perfection. Like even if yeah. you're putting up the clips that are perfect, it took you a bit of a process to get there. Yeah, that's the thing. A lot of people, they just see the end result and they they don't see the hours that go behind, uh, you know, to get there. But it it is definitely a process. And I think you have to, to enjoy the process if you want to, succeed or be or get better yeah you'll burn out like if you hate it because you're just you might do a f- practice a bit but if you're you're not going to do it for 30 40 years practicing that hard like if you don't enjoy it yeah totally well would you consider yourself a rock bass player because I, g- I generally see you putting up like um uh, a lot of deep purple you're a big fan of glenn Hughes on the bass yeah um well i i grew up listening to that stuff you know um mm. I picked up the bass because I went to a, when my cousin played guitar and he had an, an Iron Maiden tribute show or Iron Maiden tribute band. And I went to one of their shows and that was the first time I heard a bass, you know, heard it and felt the low end of a bass. And the funny thing is that the, the, the bass of the bass player was like the crappiest, like cheapest instrument you could see. It was like the paint was falling off. It was like, I don't know, maybe worth 20 bucks or something. But on the on the on that day, on where, the position where I was at the club, the sound was huge. It was like, you know, the classic Steve Harris tone, mm. like right in your face. And I was like, I had to play that. You know? <laughs> Want that instrument. <laughs> and, yeah. And the next day or the next week, I, I grabbed all my savings and I bought a bass. And my cousin taught me, you know, how to place your hand correctly on the neck and whatnot. And I just started practicing without an amp first. And then my mom uh, noticed that I was, you know, interested in that. She bought me an amp and started to pay lessons for me. But I grew up listening to that, you know, Black Sabbath, Deep Purple, Iron Maiden, all that stuff. And then I discovered all the other genres that are out there mm. as well. I think we're all like that, though. We do discover other stuff, but we stick to our roots. Like, like no matter what I do, I still consider myself a rock metal guy. Yeah. <laughs> Always. Yeah, I mean, for me, I've, I've, um, you know, I've played in, in reggae bands and you know, funk, salsa, Latin, you know, rock as well, and all of them have something interesting to, you know, as a musician when you're in a band with the people, the interaction is different, the crowd reacts differently as well. But you know, when I'm home and I, I want to listen to something and just 
you know, have a good time. I just turn on a rock album. <laughs> any albums you listen to lately? Any new stuff come, or any bands that you like? Yeah, I mean, lately I've been blasting the the latest album by the band Inglorious. They're from from the UK, okay, from England. Um, the the album is called We Will Write. It's a great album. Um, other than that, a lot of Glenn Hughes, like you said. I saw him um, like- there about three years ago live. Really? In Dublin, yeah. He's he's singing. His bass playing is amazing, but his singing is outrageous. He, yeah. He did a so kind fair, of um, a soul song. I think it was um, a, a Ray Charles song he sang. And mm-hmm. he was hitting the high notes. That the, the glasses were nearly smashing in the venue. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, he, he can sing and he play, can play amazingly well. It's just like, that blows my mind. And his tone on, on the records is also huge. Yeah, he's a really cool like guy. Him. Like he's uh, he he survived like a crazy lifestyle. Like a, a lot of the people, his contemporaries have passed away. Like, but he obviously has good genes because he's he's yeah. still going strong and he looks really healthy. Yeah, they um, I mean, he and the the guys of the the Dead Daisies also released an album this year. I think the name is called Holy Ground. I've also been listening to that as well. A really cool rock record. There's a a song called. Uh, like no other bass line and there's a short bass solo in there and the bass sound is huge in there love it cool i must check that out it's it's deadly that he's like so busy he, yeah. most fellows would be less prolific as they get older but he's in like a band with joe bonamassa as well isn't he like yeah yeah uh, black country community mm. i think it's called yeah it's amazing when you hurt your knee like did you turn to something else to kind of get you through like all those months because you couldn't really play? i saw you were reading a lot of books or did you kind yeah. of turn to different interests to maybe help with those few months? Yeah. Well, the thing is, I like the day after the accident. You know, it's or to put it differently, when when you get hit by a car, right? You're just happy that you're in one piece, <laughs> right? And that day I was like full of adrenaline. The pain hasn't settled. How I didn't settle still on that day. And the next day and the couple of days afterwards, you kind of start to realize what actually happened, right? And I remember that the day after the accident, I told myself that, you know, okay, something really shitty happened to me. And I don't know how long it's going to take till I'm back to to normal, to live my regular life. Uh, But I can't let this... uh, to, to, you know, to control my 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 mood and lead me to to a path of depression because if you land there, you know, in a depression hole, uh, it's not good for for your health, for your healing capabilities as well to recover from the injury, and not at all good for your immune system. And that's the mm. wo- the ho- the worst thing that could happen in the middle of a pandemic. So you got to yeah. keep your immune system up. So I was like, I can't let this, you know, get to me. Um, and I started to, 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 like you mentioned, to read and also to focus on the things that I could do, you know, just to, to look at the, at the accident as a, an event that happened and don't put judgment on it just to see, okay, this happened. What can I do from here? You know, yeah. what are my options? How can I, how can I control or, or what are the things that I can control instead of you know, I can't control that I have pain. It's going to be no. there. You know, I can't control that I can walk. 
You can't change that the accident happened. Like you need to yeah. move on with. Yeah. So I started to read about uh, different things. Um, there's uh, an author, Ryan Holiday. Um, he's written pretty cool books about stoicism, yeah, the 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 philosophy. I don't know how to call this chain or stoicism. Or... Yeah. 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 Exactly. Uh, uh, what's her? It's that Roman general. Was like yeah. one of the, is it he, he came up with her or is he one of the main advocates? Um, Marcus Aurelius. I don't yeah, exactly. I read his uh, his diary. I think uh, how it's called. I don't remember. Um, I think that film. I'm pro I could be completely wrong, but is Gladiator? No, that film is loosely based on the, the guy in Gladiator, uh, Joaquin Phoenix's character, is Marcus Aurelius's son. Is that right? Yeah. I, it can be. I don't remember exactly. But, Great film if you haven't seen. It. <laughs> yeah, I love. I, I love. I love the. I love the movie. Yeah, but I don't remember that 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 part. But I read the diary of Marcus Aurelius. It's brilliant the way he thought uh, on the, the the things. You know, he he was you know thinking and elaborating in his mind, considering especially that you know that happened like a long, long time ago. Would this and, be a very um, layman's explanation of stoicism? Um, don't. Have go and get mad or happy about anything. Be neutral about everything. I mean, that, that's what I've read. Like so, some memes on the internet, you know, <laughs> that say about it. But I think it's more like, the, like, like the way I, I try to, to formulate it: that don't put judgment on it. Just see it as an event, right? And then see what you can do from that. But don't don't look at it as something bad or something like cheerful or whatever. Just see, okay, that's it's there and. Don't let it, you know, affect your actions. Would it be say, fair to say, like, if if you take, if your happiness comes from great things happening all the time, then when something bad happens, it'll hit you even harder. Yeah. Is that kind of would be the understanding of it? Uh, uh, try and try to have like an internal evaluation instead of taking your your happiness or your state of mind from external things. Yeah. I mean, because if, if it's like the way you've just pictured it, um, that you're happy because good things are happening all the time. You can't control that good things are always going to happen, but you can control the actions that you're doing to make those things happen. Right. Mm. So you can either continue doing them or, or, or look at it like, okay, something bad happened. I'm just going to stop doing everything because something bad happened. Yeah. Right. But uh, do you think going forward, like your, the lessons you learn from your injury are going to, will there be, there'll probably be more positives from it. Like, well, you're, you seem like a very resilient person and a very dis disciplined person. So, um, well, for once I definitely learned, um, or I got closer to some of my friends because when something like this happens, you realize who you can count on and you know, who's there for you and you really learn to appreciate that. Mm. Also, the fact that I'm still alive because it could have ended up way differently. Yeah. I could have, you know, maybe broken my finger, couldn't even play bass again or something or even worse. Um, it gives you a more perspective about the things that you can do. And as, can I curse here? Oh, all you want. Okay, as <laughs> shitty as it is. <laughs> uh, to have a, a bad knee because there's a lot of things that you can't do with a bad knee. I mean, it, I, you know, I woke up the next day, I couldn't even change my socks. You know, I couldn't go to the bathroom. Uh, 
stuff like that you mm. know it's painful and it's complicated and you realize that there, there are a lot of things that you cannot do but that just builds up i think like you said your, your character and like i said i i learned you know who some of my good friends are also i got to see my family again as also oh really uh, i was going to say it must have been really hard to be in, in another not another country but another continent and yeah, they flew, have such actually, a bad thing happen yeah they flew for my surgery and they, my parents are still here and i hadn't seen them in three years so it was good to see them that's again. class yeah and i'm thankful for that without the injury or the, the surgery excuse me i wouldn't have been able to see them um also i wouldn't have probably picked up the guitar and, and start to learn that. And I also took the last two months after the surgery or when, when the surgery happened and started, you know, just gathering ideas because I couldn't do anything else. You know, I being laid down in bed all day. Mm. Um, I couldn't move much. So I started gathering ideas and I've been writing some original music that is gonna be released somewhat soon. I'm gonna there's something coming on the uh, you know there's something and, happening. And what are you the playing on it? You're is you got a singer and you're kind of doing all the production. Is that how it's working? No. Uh, well, I wrote most of the material, um, but the the instruments, you know, um, and I've got a singer, a guitar player, and a drummer, and mm. we we're working together. We've been bouncing ideas back and forth, and there's something uh, that's gonna come soon how soon can you say <laughs> you never know how, when uh, these things will be ready yeah um i mean we're still in the demo phase um we're finishing the demos and i hope this this year like maybe summer well from i've released a, a, a three studio albums and two live albums pay someone <laughs> to mix it because it's yeah it's, it's not only a fresh pair of ears but mixing is like a dark art and <laughs> i know you're you mix mix stuff and you release really good sound and bass videos but when you get someone all they do is mix songs that's no, different definitely. we we have someone uh, doing the, the production side of things because also I mean I can I can try I can make I can mix bass I can record bass but getting a good drum sound good vocals and making a record sound like a record mm. uh, I don't know how to do that so and <laughs> making it pop on different systems like it might you could it, you might say it, make it sound good but to make it sound good on loads of systems like car radios and everything, that's tricky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The car radio is a good test, actually. Yeah, that that used to be the thing back in the day, the car radio yeah. test. If you ever saw that film, um, Joy, did you ever listen to Joy Division? Uh, no. They're like a, uh, their most famous song would be "Love." Love was tears apart, but none mm-hmm. of their other music sounds like that. But uh, mm-hmm. the first when they made their first record, he went straight into the car to listen to it. And he was like driving around with the band and he was like, yeah, the mix is ready now. We can release it. Like, but he had to do yeah. the car radio test first. Yeah. There's also, like, uh, it has to sound good also on phone speakers because a lot of people just listen to it like this, you know? Yeah. That's, and- that's a weird thing these days. Like when I'm doing my like bass videos, I mix them for my phone because there's no intention to release them on like Spotify or as a general release. So my main mix will, I bounce it to my phone and if it sounds good, I'm happy with yeah. it. But then, yeah, I do the same thing. But when you come to like a, an official release, like your song, 
how do you figure out you don't want to make your like your big album and mix it so it sounds good on phones you really want to mix yeah. it for like a system yeah yeah definitely um but that's why i'm getting someone else to do it because <laughs> it's someone i trust as well and, and he knows uh you know he's also into rock music and knows my my i already, already gave something away but <laughs> uh, he's he knows my my style and whatnot mm. so he he's gonna make something out of it and is that your first foray into like um original music have you ever been in original band or written your own stuff before yeah i have i mean i've i've played um in a reggae band where we've also released some some stuff also back when i was in peru i also wrote with some bands original music and there's also been albums uh that we recorded there uh also here in germany it also had a band it was like a metal band uh where i also wrote a lot of material but for the past few years, I haven't been writing music all, just for the for the gear demos that mm. all the you know all the videos have a little intro written by me, and I decided you know what, let's try to make some songs again. You know, yeah. I've been listening. You can't beat like, it like it's like it's, it's great. For, well, yeah. A pity you can't all get in the room and record, but yeah. that's great fun as well. Yeah, and that's brought back some motivation. You know, after like six months of not playing, just making music again, being creative and just trying to, you know, burst out ideas. And that's got to be motivated again. Yeah, me and my friends have an ongoing project. I'm not going to say the name because it's really childish. It's like a teenage band, but but we all, whenever we all are in the country, like the guitarist lives in Dubai, we write a song or two and we just come to mm-hmm. my garage or wherever and just drink loads of cans and record the songs and... <laughs> We don't. We never release them, Ratten. We we have them on a SoundCloud for ourselves. Like, yeah, it's way more fun than doing covers. Still, like, yeah, yeah, totally. The thing is, right now with the with the stuff that I'm writing, um, like f- we we're we're four members, and three of us live here in Germany, and the singer lives in Peru. Um, so we're kind of like, you know, collaborating on, on a distance because we're also like, you know, separate. Mm here in Germany uh, it's been interesting to send you know files back and forth and see how we can change stuff and also figuring out the logistics or what how we're going to record um, it's going to be interesting it's just fun though <laughs> yeah uh, and how long have you been doing your YouTube channel like uh, you have a nice loyal follow on, on that and I still don't know how you did three videos a week like you must be like the most disciplined person I've met on this thing like uh, well, I started my YouTube channel like way, way back, probably 2008, I think. That's oh, when God, I opened really? it. But I, I, yeah, like way, way what back. What the hell kind of camera had you <laughs> that far back? Like a, a cheap, uh, you know, point and shoot camera. And I just put a couple of short videos. I've, I've put them all in private since hmm. then. Um, but I started then. And then I started making videos again when I was here in Germany. And I think that was 2015, maybe. And, and, really, and really started getting to making content in like uh, 21 right now, maybe 2017, maybe. Uh, yeah, I, I, think, think so. I think that was around the time I joined Instagram and I... That's where I found you. Like you, you popped up there one day. Yeah, maybe. And 
the way I found, maybe it helps you. I don't, I don't know how, how you do your videos, but the thing that uh, I noticed that helps me to make videos is that I plan a, a recording day. That's you know when I shoot videos. Yeah. And I try to do as many as I can on that day, but I've already prepared all the stuff that I need to do that but for them. So backing tracks or or if I need uh I don't know, to to write music for that or program drums or whatever mm. or, or make a concept or what I wanna say or wanna talk about. I prepare that beforehand and then I just have to like, you know, go there, set everything up and I only have to set it up once, you know. And then I can shoot as much as I need to. So you do more, you then, shoot more than one video in one sitting. Yeah. Okay, I'd never do that. <laughs> it's one at a time. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't be able to think that far ahead. Yeah, I I, I I make a list of the things that I want or a list of videos. For example, I can open up something here. I have um one, two, three, four, five, six. I have six videos that I want to do at some point now. And probably I can do four in a day. And still keep my sanity. Um, I might try that actually because it's very stressful trying to get one done every week. Like so the thought of having all the the raw files ready and you just have to sit down and edit them sounds pretty good. Like, yeah, the thing. Well, well I I try to look for things that streamline my process. So, for example, um, I have presets in my interface. You know, for my mic mm. and for my inputs of all the, the things so that I can just click them and it's ready to go. I also have markings on my floor yeah. so to know where the camera goes and where the lights go. And and then it's just the, the you know, through repetition, I know that it takes me an average X amount of takes to, to get something right that I want to communicate. And then also knowing when I when I see the video, right, on, on, your, on your editing program, um, I can see if there's a gap or or if I repeat a phrase several times and okay, I know that all that happens before behind that or before that, sorry, I can just cut and drop and then keep what's in the rest of the video. Mm. So that saves me editing time as well. And, you know, just looking for little things or where can I improve to, to, to save me time. And that's how I've managed, I think, to. I actually so noticed a trend recently um, with the big, big YouTube channels, their production value goes down once they hit like, a load of followers because mm. uh, people are too obsessed with that at the start They're, they have like these cinematic shots and everything is perfect but then i noticed these big channels they stop giving a shit which is the way we we should be sta- I, I i didn't start for so long because i thought i had to have like one of those fancy mirrorless cameras but i should have just started what with what i had like and started learning yeah yeah definitely i think that's the best thing i mean the, the videos are not going to look great from the very beginning, but that's how you learn, actually. And I got my, the camera that I'm using right now after shooting on an old, uh, I think I have it over there, a Canon uh, 600D, which was good, but it was really outdated for mm. the time. And because I was already getting in touch with companies and they were sending me stuff and I wanted to improve the quality, I said, okay, it's time to invest because it is an investment. Yeah. In a, in a better camera. And to me, the important thing was the out of focus to be able to do this and stay in focus mm. and then come back that's cool, like yeah. that. Um, but that's not going to happen from the very beginning, right? You got to learn. For how sure, to you do don't it. even you know gotta, how to use it. Like when I got my, my, my Canon M50, I hadn't a bloody clue. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I was just yeah. clueless. Yeah. That, and that's also a great camera. It's pretty cool. 
but if you get a phone, you already have something to record. Yeah. And you'll get really good quality. Yeah. And like when you're putting up your videos, are you thinking, oh, this will get a lot of views? Or you just think you're putting up what you'd like to see? Um, I, I don't really, I mean, I, I do check the views of some videos to see, okay, what's performing or what mm. or how. Um, but I don't, I don't plan videos on, okay, this is going to get me a lot of likes or a lot of videos or a lot of comments. I just put uh, videos that I think are going to be helpful yeah. or that I want to share or that some people have commented on that, they, hey, I, I'm struggling with this. And then, okay, that's a good idea for a video. I can talk about it, you know, that you share it. But I'm not like, or actually, you've probably seen this also on YouTube. There are a lot of um, clickbait videos like, don't use this pedal yeah, or, know, or yeah. the best pedal in the world. And, you know, that's just clickbait. And yeah, it works because human nature is to, to go there. Mm. But I don't like that. Yeah, you're, 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 you really won't be able to sustain that. You'll feel bad about yourself. Like You're making video types that, that if you saw them, you'd be cringing. You'd be like, oh, God. That's just clickbait. Yeah, yeah I, th- I prefer just being honest and, and, and sharing what I believe is important. Sorry. Um, and I think every one of us has a different perspective on things. So sharing your perspective of something is different. It's going to be different than my perspective. And I think that's the beauty of it, you know, to give the viewers different perspectives. And don't worry too much about the 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 outcome yeah i definitely noticed a trend like my um top five videos do the best but i don't want to just be making top five i like making them but i'm going to make more like complicated ones about learning how to play more than just top five baseline yeah that's the way it goes i I suppose you have to find a balance yeah definitely that's i think that's the, the, the right answer yeah and you're you're a big gearhead. Like you do, you must invest some load in, in gear, like because you have a, a lot of really nice stuff. Did you just order like a new custom bass? Like, yeah, that was my 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 Dingwall bass. That was my my gift to myself for graduating from master's degree. Um, because actually, I hadn't bought in a ba- bought a bass in a long time. Um, I have my. This is my, my Lakeland P base. Nice. This is pro- probably the base that I use the most. I have a red bit, a red square that looks really like that one, but probably costs yeah. about 10% the price of it. <laughs> uh, the, I didn't even want to buy this base, Lakeland, but I went to a store. And because my friends who are guitar players wanted to check some guitars. And I was like, I was like you know, I'm, I'm going to come along just to mess around, check out some bases, but I'm not going to buy anything. And then I went and then I played this one and I was like blown away. I was like, it's too good. <laughs> and we went back. I mean, I went back home and, and the idea of the bass is stuck with me for a week. Then I went back and tested it again. And then I was like, oh, this bass is too good. <laughs> what Can and you put your finger on it? Like what makes, like when I look at that bass, it's a P bass. What makes yeah. it better than a square P bass? The, the Lakeland one. Um. Well, what is it? For me, the the cool thing about this is that the body is a tiny bit slimmer overall than a than a regular. It kind of has like a music so man bridge. That's what it looks kind of like. It's 
similar. Yeah, it's a big chrome bridge. Uh, there's no, there are no mutes here. It's just a regular bridge, but the body is a bit more compact than a regular P base. And one thing that I love is the way they've uh, they've made the contour here. Mm. It's really comfortable, and the neck profile is a a, a jazz neck profile. Okay, so it's slimmer. Nice. And it's a very slim here. I mean, it's probably one of the nicest neck profiles. It's probably I've like my made. Aerodyne, which is has a jazz neck and a and a slim down um, body as well. Yeah, yeah, those are also great bases. For example, um, the only downside for me about this one is that it weighs a lot. Uh, but I I love it. It plays wonderfully. It's had a nice action. Uh, the frets are great. It's plecked as well, but it just weighs too much for me. <laughs> Uh, I noticed, you know, a, a gig, like a one-hour gig, and I was already noticed, like, here, pushing on my shoulder. Really? Yeah, I play the Aerodyne at all my gigs, so it, it doesn't weigh much, so never have that problem. Yeah. Yeah. But th- that's what I, for me, at least, was the advantage of that against a Squire, for example, right? And then, but now you have the Dingwall. That was your new purchase. Yeah. Um, that was, I mean... I'm not gonna lie; it's a lot of money for a base. You don't uh, want to say I how much almost, you <laughs> uh, I paid almost 4k for that. It is a lot of money. Um, you're li- you're going to be like that um, that joke, the musician who drives around in a 300 euro <laughs> car with 4,000 euros worth of equipment. Yeah, definitely, man. <laughs> but you know, I was like, you know, I've got a master's degree. I finished this stuff. I, I want to. I want to get one nice bass because I, I've always wanted to have a custom instrument just the way I wanted it to be. Mm. And I made a savings plan to pay for that. So I was not like, you know, I, I didn't put it on a credit card and, I, and I'm in debt. So, but, you know, I made a plan. How much can I save each month? How am I going to save each month to be able to pay for it? Mm. You know, so that's what I did. Well, you're a professional musician. Like, you know, uh, I have friends who are, builders like and they'd have thousands and thousands of euro worth of tools in their van so that yeah. that's a good justification yeah i mean <laughs> it is a it is a nice justification to put it that way but it is it's an amazing instrument um I, I still haven't played that much because uh i don't know why i mean it, it is amazing but the thing is that I, I kill strings super fast and I don't want to kill them too fast because I haven't ordered new strings yet. <laughs> so, but the little I've played it with it, it's just so smooth. The action is amazing. And it's got a Wenge neck with Lumin Lace so you can see in the dark, you know, you can cool. see the, the positions in the dark. But it's a lot of money. And to be honest, I think you don't, you don't necessarily need a custom base, you know, you, you can't get away with a Squire P-Base or yeah. something cheaper. Uh, is that fan fret as well, the Dingwall? Yeah, yeah. What's the story with that fan, uh, uh, fan fret thing? I'd say a lot of people listen have never even played one. Like, does how does it affect the tone or the playability, or what's the point of it? Like, um, you gotta th- think about it as a, you know, like a like a piano that the 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 upper strings, the higher strings. Have shorter scale, have a shorter scale length, and the bass strings have a longer scale length. So that evens up the tension of the strings and also gives you a more even tone. And Dingwall offers two main types of instruments, of instruments, so to speak. There's the Super Series, which is based on a you know traditional Fender basses, the Super P and the mm-hmm. Super J, 
and there's the other series like the Afterburner the C they're the ones that are in the and crazy those, colors like the crazy yellow and stuff yeah those ones have a longer scale length uh, the G string on those is like a regular 34 inch scale and the B string on a 5 string is 37 so you get a much longer B string mm. and that allows you to be able also to use uh, a smaller gauge on the strings and still retain the tension and you have uh, more balance across strings Okay. so you get a really pristine sound very clear definition of notes even in lower tunings and was it much different in the hand compared to a normal bass when you picked it up first? Um, it depends on what you play. I used to have one of the longer scale ones. Um, and I'm a short guy. I don't have huge hands. And it was a bit of a stretch for me. But the Super Series is a bit shorter. Uh, it's actually a medium scale on the G string. It's a 32 inch. And the E string is 34.25 so 34 and one quarter of an inch. So it's a tiny bit longer than a regular E string. Mm. And that is a lot, that is really, really comfortable. And you don't really have to look at the fretboard. You know, you get used to it extremely fast. Other if, uh, if you have to solo or play chords up the neck, then you have to practice a bit, you know, just change your hand position a bit. Yeah. But you don't really, you barely notice it. It's like second nature. So you like it. You're, 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 you think it's a winner like that fan fret thing yeah I, I i really like it because it has a lot of benefits you know like i said even tension uh get a very pristine sound very a lot of definition and the, the quality of the instruments that dingwall dingwall is putting out is amazing it's just mind-blowing how how good the setup is how good the attention to detail is so if you can test one of those i definitely recommend where are they from dingwall from Canada. Okay. Uh, how did, did you, you were like talking directly to the factory over a, a few months, telling them exactly what you wanted. Is that how it went? Um, no, you, you have to order the base through a dealer and you, you can see some of the options that uh, you can order from the website or you can ask your dealer for a spec uh, option mm. list. And each instrument has like a base, um, you know, a, uh, yeah, base configuration. So, you know, I don't know, for example, the Super P uh, comes with an older body wood, a maple neck, a Wenge fretboard, and, you know, stuff like that. And then there's up charges for some of the other options. So, so I picked, for example, a Swamp Ash body, a Wenge neck as well. Um, then I also picked uh, block inlays, which are a bit more expensive than dots, which are free. And the blocks are then cool, I also picked, They're pure 70. Yeah, blocks are awesome. <laughs> Yeah, blocks are awesome. I also picked the Lumin Lace because I don't know if it's happened to you, but sometimes you're on stage and it's completely dark because the lights are out, right? Oh, it happens at festivals a lot. You're, 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 up, you're in a field in the middle of nowhere and it's really yeah. dark. You just can't see anything. It's And then your hands yeah. are cold as well. It makes it even harder. Yeah, and then you, you got to find your way around the fretboard and by having the dots there, they, they, they light up in the dark so you can at least see where you are. Mm. Um, and what is it a pick? Um, I think that was it. Or the, the finish, which is, uh, I really like the, the look of, of, of natural finishes, like to see the grain mm. of the wood. So I picked, uh, a natural to black burst finish. And then I, I requested that they kind of like make an accent of the grain. I did that I on, see the red strap behind me. I did the, 
a black burst with red and green really pops out it's just it's actually just a square that i put a veneer mm. on <laughs> to make it look okay. like a flame top guitar like a big expensive one <laughs> yeah yeah something like that you know just I, I really like to see the grain pop on the instruments because i think you know the the wood has just so many you know unique qualities that i think it's a shame to put you know solid colors on them yeah usually they, uh, they do that in cheap guitars because it's like a cheap piece of wood that has no grain in it really that's interesting yeah. so it just covers it like yeah and did, did you have but a I, custom gnl uh n- not right now i have two two of them here with me um i have a a, a usa p bass like a, it's an lb100 and a usa jb but i have one on order that's uh i don't know when it's going to arrive but that's uh, part of an endorsement. Oh, yeah. nice! Is it? Are you officially yeah. allowed to announce that? Uh, I haven't yet. I mean, I, I'm I'm kind of like under endorsement for uh, GNL Germany, mm. so it's not 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 exclusive endorsement. But yeah, I've we've been working together. That's why I, I can. Well, I, the two instruments that I have from them, they're kind of like they're like you know lent to me. How does that work? Like, how do they know that? I saw you did a review of a Duesenberg before as well, which is super expensive instrument. How do they know you're not going to just run off with the bass? (laughs) Do you sign something to say, like, I'm going to send it back? I I didn't sign anything, but they have my address and, you know. (laughs) They have some big uh, guys that will come after you to get their bass back. They can can send the police (laughs) if I try to do something bad. But you have your own podcast, uh, coffee with Ivan if anyone wants to check it out but yeah. I was listening to your episode with the guy from GNL mm-hmm. and I was surprised Steve. that like such a big guitar company only has like a handful of employees like when you see these names on the headstocks you're assuming they're like all like Fender or Gibson big but they really are just run by a bunch of guys a small group of fellas like yeah yeah and I, I think there are you, there are other companies that have you know, maybe less people. For example, Dingwall, I think the team is not that big. Uh, Sandberg here in Germany, uh, I think also doesn't have a huge team, but they distribute instruments to the whole world. Uh, Dusenberg is also a small team. Um, I think it it, 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 I think it's a tough business to to you know sell instruments. Yeah, as well with all the cheap bases uh, coming into the market, like Harley Benton and. What's that new one? Yeah. Glary. Have you, have you seen them? No. They're like $70. And a lot of, the, wow. they've sent them to a lot of the big YouTubers who've played them and said, it's a really good bass. It's $70. So it's hard to compete with that, isn't it? Yeah. But I think this, there, there are different markets for, for different instruments, right? I have a Harley Benton bass that they sent me for a test. And I was expecting the worst mm. because I was like, you know, it's a hundred and thirty euro base. It's gonna be tough to, to review would this. Would you review thing. it honestly um, though? If it was a, a ball of shit, like yeah, would you say all, this all, is yeah, awful? All, all the stuff that's in my channel is hundred percent honest. I don't, I don't, I keep it completely clean. But that base blew me away. It is a great instrument. Of course, there are shortcomings. You know, there's the, the pickups maybe aren't the best. Um, the the contours of the instruments are maybe not the most comfortable. The tuners are also kind of crappy and stuff. But it plays great right out of the box. 
Mm. It's really good. I wish I had learned to play bass with an instrument like that. Yeah, they're good at that tome and setting up the instruments before they leave. Yeah. I had some problems with the Sire M7 I bought and had to send it back. And and it's the one they sent me. I'm not even happy with either. The neck is kind of uncontrollable on it. It's fret buzzing and all the time, but I I don't know what's going on. (laughs) I still can't get it set up properly. Oh, wow. I, ha- I actually have never played a sire bass. Um, they're really good, but I just think with that particular model, it has a really skinny neck. And um, mm-hmm. I did like a, a course in lutery before, like a year long one. So basically like some of the che- some of the cheaper bits of wood, if they don't um, let them cure and age properly, when they make a neck out of them, they might move a bit because they haven't fully okay. settled into their final position. So. Either, that could be something that happens with cheaper bases that come from cheaper bits of wood, like. Yeah, maybe. I I remember watching a video. I don't know if, from which manufacturer, but there goes my sire endorsement anyway. Gone. They 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 said that they let the necks dry for like months before they build out a neck. Mm, you have to. But yeah. the sires are brilliant. The the electronics in them are class. Like you're getting like about a 400 euro active preamp system and the whole base only costs 400 like yeah <laughs> so they're already and they have to they just brought out a new range of like classic designs like p bases and jazz bases passive ones and uh, i'm yeah. tempted to get one yeah, of them they that. look awesome lovely colors and stuff yeah i mean i mean i i wish i i would i could get one of them but i really can't buy more bases. they actually brought out a new base it's 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 pretty much a short scale aerodyne it's exactly yeah, like an airline, but short scale. Yeah, yeah. I think that I think they have also released some guitars, so they're they're moving. You know, they're they're planning some good things there in that company. Yeah, maybe it's my fault. I can't set up that bass properly. I, I, I it's the only bass I have that has a skinny neck and twenty four frets, so it's very different trying to set them up than a, a Fender style bass. Mm-hmm. Oh, so it's one of the modern ones from from there. Yeah, yeah, the new, the the most modern okay. one, the M7. Yeah, yeah, okay. But what what will be your plan for the future, Ivan? Will you will you just keep doing the YouTube stuff and hopefully when touring comes back, you'll you'll go back doing that, like. Um, well, right now I'm just focusing on, you know, taking it day by day, trying to get my 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 mobility back of my leg, and. You know, just, just try to stay positive and just get back to to playing bass. And hopefully, after you know, in like two three weeks, maybe get back to to teaching again normally, because I can't really sit for extremely long periods of time. So I, I can't sit through a whole day of teaching yet, but I want to get back to doing that. And yeah, I mean, who knows when live music is gonna come back? Uh, so I have a tour. I, I hope I have two weeks in England in November. And a week in Ireland in December, and I'm hoping okay. that'll go it's ahead. It's awesome. <laughs> I, I hope it works out, man. I hope it works out for you. Well, I think the English show will go game. ahead. They're 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 vaccinating like crazy. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. I have a, a gig set in July, but it's a one-off thing, and I, I'm not sure if it's going to happen or not. So, other than that, I don't have any shows booked for this year. But I'm just going to keep focusing on, focusing on teaching. And you know, getting back to making YouTube videos, and see 
what happens. And of course, like I said, I'm, I'm working on this uh, project with ori original music. So I want to also push that a bit more and yeah, see where it goes. Do you do much remote card recording for other bands or projects? Does does that kind of stuff come up much? Um, for some some people that I know, yeah, not not that that many, but I have done it a couple of times. Yeah, it's hard to break into. I think that world, like, it's like your phone never rings for that kind of stuff. <laughs> like, and then you see other people, you know, and they're they're doing all, remote recording all the time. I think it is very hard to get break into. Uh, I remember, I don't know if it was on my podcast or I watched a video of him, but Ian Allison, do you know him? Oh yeah, he's like the MVP of bass on yeah. Instagram. <laughs> yeah, he mentioned that, you know, if you want, the way he got into to, to recording for other people is it, they, you know, he just, you know, reached out and said, hey, I, I like the way you write music. Yeah. Do you need bass? And I think that's the best approach is to offer or give value um, to our people. And if they like it, you know, most of the time they're going to give you a reward or pay you or something. Yeah. You have to believe um, in what you're so getting involved in. So that's a good approach. Like, Yeah. Just to offer your services because otherwise how, how are they going to find you? Yeah. It's hard though. But yeah, that's, I'll try that. Like, but um, it seems a lot, Pete, you, I suppose I assume everyone has someone for their base already, but. They probably they mightn't. <laughs> I don't. I mean, I, I know a lot of people that you know just make music in their in their bedroom or sing guitar players, and they need an arrangement. They need you know a bassist. They need a drummer, mm. stuff like that. So, I think just reach out and that can definitely lead somewhere. Yeah, they probably uh, they don't understand the role of the bass. Like they they might just follow the guitar for for the bass part. So, it'd be good to have an actual bass player in to lay something down. Yeah, maybe. And you don't really use much effects. You never got into that too much, did you? I like to keep things simple. Um, because I also play in a couple of, um, you know, I think they call them function bands over there. Yeah. Like like galas and some weddings and whatnot. And most of the time I just need, you know, my bass, my tuner, a bit of drive. I made an octave pedal, some compression, and then that's it. Like for ninety nine percent of the time, you don't see yourself getting into like the synth bass, like uh, Ian Allison, is it? Yeah, I mean for that I use my OC two, and then I put some drive, and that, that's how I roll. You can't get more, you know, more in depth with that, but I don't see at least at the moment getting, you know, a huge pedal board to make crazy sounds because I like to keep things simple. You it's know? a slippery slope as well when you start buying the pedals. <laughs> just, I'll add one more, yeah. one more. <laughs> yeah, you. I mean, first of all, it's it's extra money that you have to invest in that, and the, it also increases the chances of something failing mm. mid gig. And I've had it where you know some. For some reason, you know, something stopped working. Someone stepped on a cable and the pedal board got disconnected mm. or, you know, a pedal breaks and then you're in the middle of the gig and you're standing. Well, I actually have I have this little bag because that, that, it did happen a few times. At, at a festival, you've got no time. It's like, go up, do the set. It's 40 minutes. It's a line check. So I have a little bag and it has like, have you ever seen those little nine volt power supplies? It's just yeah. a battery with a cable and it goes straight into your pedals and powers them. Mm -hmm. uh, oh wow so i have two of them so if, if my pet if my 
something's wrong with my board. I just plug in my tuner and my drive and it'll be running off the nine volt batteries straight into the amp and it, it gets you out of jail. Like it's brilliant. Yeah, that's cool. I had not, I've never seen, heard about that. So like, cause you, you can, you can freak out. Like you're like, Oh, what's wrong? I can't figure out what cable is wrong. And, and they're all looking at you to start the set. So at least it'll let you power two or three pedals like straight away. Like you can figure out what went wrong after. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's also happened to me. Uh, I remember I was playing a show and somehow, you know, I didn't have any signal. And I think afterwards, I uh, the, the trumpet player stepped on the power cord of my pedalboard mm-hmm. and unplugged it. But the only thing I could do at the moment was just grab my cable and plug directly into my yeah, amp that's the one. and keep playing, right? So that's I actually had an amp go on, go on fire at a gig, like the smoke started coming out of the of the speakers and everything. <laughs> wow. But it was the last gig of the tour. So we were like, we were doing the encore in Wales. Yeah. And we were just like, that's it, lads. Show's over. <laughs> There'll be no more encores. And wh- why, why did it burn? I don't know. Like I, I have like five broken Trace Elliott amps. So. Wow. Um, I don't think they could handle the, the dr- how much I was driving them. Like, so I'm on TC Electronic yeah. now and I haven't put them on fire yet. <laughs> I have never burned an amp that's the second I amp I, I put on fire the, the other one kept working I think the tweeter burnt out and the smoke started coming out of the tweeter but it didn't okay. make the cab stop working <laughs> it just it looked yeah. cool <laughs> wow because when you're really pushing the distortion like the tweeters can't handle it <laughs> yeah yeah I actually just got this HX stomp talking about bit, getting gear that you don't need and I haven't a clue how to oh, use cool. it, but I plugged it in and played around it a bit, but it's just a whole nother thing like that. You have to learn. It's like learning a new um, audio station or something. Yeah, I actually have a the, this, the plugin version of that. I have Helix Native on my on my laptop. I use it for some times, uh, for some things. Um, for example, the the whole all of these demos that I've been writing. I didn't have my bass at the time. I only had my guitar with me. And what I did to, to, to write a bass was to grab the guitar, put a simple pitch down of the Helix mm. uh, block, and then tune it down an octave, just use the whole wet signal, and then put an, an, an ampic amp of Seven there. Nation Army kind and, of thing. <laughs> yeah, dude, it sounds great. Yeah. It, sounds, it sounds pretty weird. The, the phrasing, oh, sometimes in a good way, when you play a guitar tuned down to the bass range, it, because the strings are so skinny, it's, it sounds different, but sometimes in a cool way. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. I mean, I, I was surprised by how good it worked in, a, in the mix, just as a demo. At least it was really, really cool. And just to be able to get the ideas down, uh, it's pretty helpful. And the, the distortion sounds there are pretty cool. Yeah, it's, they're class. I'm going to get into it. Like I like the idea of being able to do a whole gig with just that thing and you've all your patches at the moment I have a big yeah. pedal board like and I'd be like dancing on them trying to get them all engaged for certain songs yeah I have some friends that have or play with this stomp and they're pretty happy with it um, my only issue so far that I've seen uh, when I've played with other people that have modelers is that you know sometimes you spend a lot of time at your room dialing your tones and you know your patches mm. and your settings and then you go to the gig and you're in sound check and then 
you, you swap from one preset to the next and the volumes are completely <laughs> off. Yes, it's awesome. One sound is way too, too piercing. And going through all the menus and dialing and changing all the stuff takes definitely longer than grabbing a pedal and turning the knob. Yeah, right? that's you can't beat that. Like just engage it and just it works. And yeah. some stuff sounds sh- great at home, and then it sounds terrible when you get to the gig. Like cer- certain pedals do. Yeah, but I think if you spend the time and you know you, you definitely talk to your sound engineer and you get this, all the, the the flow of the the presets right. They, can definitely work but i've noticed that you know sometimes they buy some some people that i know bought a new piece of gear and they, they bring it to a gig and they're like super excited to, to play with it and it was like eh, you know <laughs> maybe you should have spent a little more time dialing it first before bringing it yeah i bought um a, ja- a japanese jaguar looked amazing like but i didn't realize that i do this kind of les claypool strummy thing for a few songs and mm-hmm. i kept turning the bass yeah. off because I had all loads of knobs up the top near the, the horn. Yeah. And I was doing the strum and I kept turning it off. I was like, I can't keep this bass. I'll just be turning it off every night. <laughs> so yeah. I had to let it go, even though it looked amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, stuff like that. You get a, you, you get a, you know, but those are things that you, you, you find out once you wrote test stuff or you tested in the real world like if you're in your room and you're playing you're in a control situation but when you're in a gig you see what works and what doesn't uh, and where in germany are you living Ivan? uh i'm in minster minster that is yeah uh, somewhat like in the middle west of germany it's close to the dutch border and what's the music scene like there is there is it vibrant um there are some jazz clubs. There's a couple of rock clubs. Um, there's a small music scene here, but most of the time I don't play here when I play. I either play like south of here, like closer to cities like Dortmund or Cologne or Düsseldorf, or also in the northern part of Germany. And are you going to stay in Germany now that you're finished college? You, you like it there? I would like to stay, yeah. Yeah, yeah I've been there. It's, I played uh, in... Um... Where do they play? The Blues Garage in Hanover. Have you heard of that venue? No, but I've been to Hanover a couple of times. It's a cool city. Yeah, it's just crazy. This guy owns like a limousine company, but he loves the Allman Brothers. Mm -hmm. So he said, fuck it, I'll I'll make a venue as well. So he he turned like one of the big sheds into a a venue and he he turned another unit into a, a music themed hotel. So every room in the hotel is dedicated to a musician. And the whole room is full of wow. memorabilia for that musician. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I slept in a TM Stevens room and everything in the room <laughs> is signed by that musician because they've played in his venue because TM, TM Stevens oh, cool. used to play there a lot. So And Buddy Guy played cool. there once too. So he signed all the stuff in the Buddy Guy room. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> it's awesome. some place, like you should go and check it out. Yeah, Blue's Garage, Blue's right? Garage in um, Hanover. Okay. Hanover. Yeah. Just to get to stay in oh. the... In the hotel, and there's some, and it was a re- he's a really cool guy who runs it. He was saying, um, he was treating us really well, like, and you know, you don't get treated on tour sometimes. You know, they're like, oh, have a pizza, lads, and that'll do your. Where are we sleeping? Oh, sure, we don't care. Just look after yourselves. But he was being so nice to us, and we were like, we were like thanking him so much the next day, and he just said, I just treat everyone the same, like. So basically, he was saying, yeah. doesn't matter if your guys from Ireland or buddy guy. Everyone is the same, like when they come here, like gets the same treatment. 
Yeah. That's one thing that I've noticed here in Germany. Most of the uh, promoters or, or venue owners, um, they uh, they do try it or, or they do compensate the musicians uh, fairly and they treat you well. You know, they, you know, book you hotels and they also give you food, like real food before the gig and you get drinks and, you know, they make sure that you have some water mm. behind it, behind the stage and stuff. Uh, there are venues like you know, um, you know, city festivals that are you know people are just getting drunk there all the time, and there is a bit different. But if you play in a show, most of the time the organizers are very very friendly. Yeah, we have a long way to go in Ireland in that we're still in the stage of just here's a few beers, lads, and no food, food. But then bands already tour around Ireland as much as they used to, like because it's so small. But when you're in yeah. Europe, you need to get a decent a meal, like. And a few free beers is nice too. Like, you know, when you're in Spain, sometimes they have a fridge on the stage full of beers for you. <laughs> you you nice. just take one out while you're, while there's a, a break in songs. Like, yeah. They just have it. Where did you play in Spain? In Sp- when did I play in Spain? Where? Oh, everywhere. Like uh, Galicia and over in Catalonia. The whole, we do the whole country like in two weeks, kind of around it all. And, Brilliant! I think it's the most vibrant rock scene I've seen in Europe. Anyway, really? Yeah, I just put up a picture there today on Instagram. And we were we were in Cangas, which is in Galicia, on the west, in the west, kind of north of um, Portugal, and um, they have mm-hmm. a thing where they they pick up the musicians who are on stage and carry them around the venue. <laughs> oh yeah, I saw that picture. Yeah, I saw that picture. And, uh, and then they and then they they wanted to carry me outside, and I was like, I don't have a wireless system. Like I'm. I'm on a cable and I was playing the song because like, they wanted to bring me yeah. out onto the street and walk around the street and then back in. <laughs> wow. But uh, they treat every band the same who comes like, like it's a big event. It's absolutely class. Like, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, you should get to Spain. They're, they've every town, decent sized town has a rock venue, like a proper venue, like that only is dedicated to having gigs. Like, Cool. Yeah, hopefully when, you know, this whole thing passes and one can play again. Cool. Well, have you any cool stuff coming up that you want to tell people about? Is your are you going to get your podcast going again or are you taking a break from it? Um, to be honest, I'm not sure. Uh if that's gonna continue right now, I'm just focusing on my knee and getting, you know, just starting to structure all my you know, my, my everyday life together. I might get back to doing that, but I have just want to focus right now on you know getting my health mm. back in the first place and you know slowly also get back to making regular videos um and like i said uh this project of original music is gonna come soon and if you if, if you want to check that out if your viewers want to check that out you can go to to my channel of youtube that's ivan bassist uh there's gonna be some releases there and also my instagram but other than that, the, I'm going to be demoing um, this Olympic preamp, tube preamp soon. And also going to do a demo of my Dingwall bass. Um, what else? I have to do a demo of my Noble DI as well. I haven't done that. <laughs> I wa- actually wanted to to wait to play more oh, live shows. I, I actually was looking at buying one of them. Well, I saw the price. I was like, whew, I better save up for that thing. 
It's like a tube preamp yeah. made by one guy in, in his shed or something. Yeah. 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 It's, it's a one man operation. It's definitely worth the price. It just, it it's, sounds amazing. Like the clean tone out of it. Yeah. It's like really warm. And yeah, to be honest, I bought mine. I mean, a couple of friends of mine had it before I bought mine and they were all blown away by it. They were like, it's amazing. And I tested it once at a, at a friend's place. And, you know, we, we tested a low volume and it was like, eh, I don't know, yeah. man. <laughs> and, you know, I, I just kept hearing from all different people. It was amazing. I was like, you know what? I'm going to save up. I'm going to buy it. And if I don't like it, I can probably sell it for the same price because there's a three-month wait time mm. to get them, you know. And, you know, I ordered it and I was like, okay, this is not going anywhere. It's going to stay. <laughs> so how does it work? <laughs> you just plug into that. It goes into your interface and then into logic and it sounds class. Yeah, wait, let me let me grab you one second. Because um peop uh, I'm only getting into the recording the last few years, like so and I'm sure lots of the listeners aren't aware, like what why would you go and spend a thousand euros on a DI when you can get one for twenty euros that I suppose you might think does the so, same job. This is the this is the And novel. it looks awesome so, as well. <laughs> it looks really fancy. Yeah. So you got the two tubes. Do here. they light up when it's when it's on? A little bit, yeah. But you, you can mm. see them because it's usually like flat yeah. like this, you know, like 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 that. So you don't you don't see them. But I mean, the cool thing about it is that you have you can you plug your instrument here, but you can also power up a couple of pedals. I saw it. that. That's such a cool feature. Like, why not do that? Like, sure, put in the pedal power. Yeah, I mean, it it is not. Um, how do you call this? It is like daisy chaining mm. pedals. So you might get some noise depending on the pedals that you use, but still you get the yeah. ability to do it, right? You can hook up your tuner and, you know, some other stuff. I can hook an entire small pedal yeah. board just with this. And here you have a, a treble control, bass control, and a low pass, uh, sorry, a high pass filter because a switch. And then just your, you know, DI out. And the thing about this is that even when set flat, you get a really like warm and rich sound. And you also get a little bit of tube compression. So you get a squishy response when playing. Mm. And it just makes the sound like really like wide. And I've noticed that it just, you know, the bass glues perfectly with the kick drum. It's just amazing. And I suppose these days, like, you know, like w with all the remote recording, if you do, if you do want to get into it and you want to be in the position to say like, I can do stems for like a professional album, you probably need an expensive DI like that, don't you? You wouldn't get away with just going straight into the interface. Um, I mean, the, the one DI that I can highly recommend and it's not that expensive and it's great, is a Neef um, RNDI. That one costs, I think, 240 something dollars, euros. Mm. Uh, about the price range and you know I don't have it here I, I also have it but I, I borrowed it or I lent it to a friend but there you just you know you go in and then you go out there's no EQ there's That's nothing not the big red one is it the big it looks like something from the Ghostbusters films I... no that's the red DI that's a good one as well I heard I've, I've probably recorded that's one. A, yeah that's that's great too that's a tube DI as well but the Neve one is cheaper than the red DI or the ready and it has a lot of headroom. Like it's, you can 
push a lot of input in there. You can crank distortion. Mm. You can put a, a you know have a really hot active bass, and you're not gonna clip the signal. You get a really wide dynamic range, and it's also very pristine sounding DI. So you you hear you know full low end. You hear a lot of detail in the top end, and that gives you a lot more clarity in the signal. So if you are going to invest in a DI, I highly recommend getting that one. Like, would it be fair to say, probably like if you're thinking of, you know, you want to make music your career, maybe don't buy that really expensive bass that you don't need and invest in a good DI box. If you want to record, definitely. Uh, I think, a you know, a, a, just as an example, you can get a Mexico P bass or jazz bass or whatever. Upgrade the pickups if you want to. Um, but get a good interface and a good DI, and then you can send high quality stems or tracks mm. to people, and then they they can put plugins or amp simulations on top of that. But you know, of course, the playing comes first. You gotta play solidly. You gotta also learn how to record, yeah. uh, because recording and delivering a performance that's gonna be kept on a record is different than just playing live learning how to work with the clip yeah, we do all our albums and live well the last one we kind of tracked it a bit but the first album was 100% live and Christy even sang most of the songs live and kept wow. the takes like even yeah. at the end of one of the it's songs he says um, uh, Electric Soup on our first album he says oh thank fuck that's finished <laughs> so it was like take about 40 or something <laughs> and we said we had to keep it on the record you can hear oh thank fuck yeah yeah, those things I got to kept on the record, definitely. But it's a different vibe when you record it with a band in a room and live than recording separately. And if you're going to be sending files to different people, uh, you have to learn and get used to performing with a click and to get used to that. Um, but so far, what I've noticed that recording yourself, you know, in a DAW is one of the best exercises because it's just like taking a microscope mm. and looking at your playing like very... Honestly, yeah, there's nowhere to hide so you're when you're rushing. Or, yeah, if you're rushing or, or dragging, or a passage is not clear, um, you're playing sloppy. That's gonna, you know, you're gonna hear it right back. So that can help you improve your playing as well. Yeah, everyone should do that. Just there's no excuse really to, these days, like because the stuff is so cheap. Yeah, I mean there are like uh, like really cheap interfaces for like thirty euro or something, and you can get Reaper, the DAW, mm. which is free pretty much and start recording with that. You just need an XLR cable and your instrument cable and that's it. Just do it. It's, it's yeah. good crack. I actually entered your competition there. You, you did a good, that was good fun. You did like a disco bass challenge. Yeah, I, I remember. That was yeah. great crack. I I, I think I'm going to do one of them. Like and that, that was fun. Like seeing all the other bass players interpretation of the same drum beat. Yeah. Yeah, it's cool to see how different people approach different, you know, bass lines. And I found that really hard, though, when you're talking about recording and getting it tight. I, I, I had to do so many takes because I was trying to get those disco um, octaves tight. Yeah. <laughs> and I'd never really done them yeah. before. Yeah, that's actually pretty tricky. That's something that um, I struggle with. And it's it's a pretty fast, though. It's I like you just made like this movement. I think you do it with the thumb and these two yeah. fingers. I also have seen some people that do it like that. I just do it with my two fingers, but it's a tricky rhythm. Yeah. Have you seen that guy from um, Brazil? He looks pure seventies. He has a big afro. He's on Instagram. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I've been learning some of the stuff that he puts up. The, he, I don't know where he finds all these old funk songs, but uh, and getting into the double tom like and slowly learning how to do it, and that makes playing those kind of mm-hmm. fast things a lot faster, a lot yeah. easier. There's actually a big Brazilian funk scene. Really, it's a huge, yeah, huge scene. Yeah, they're really big into funk. So you could actually get a gig in it being in a funk band, like start up a funk band, and you'd get paid. Yeah, <laughs> that's class. I, we'll all have to move to Brazil. All the bass players. <laughs> There's a there are tremendous musicians in yeah. Brazil. It's it's amazing. The only thing is you can't get them on the podcast because a lot of them don't speak English. Like I don't think that guy speaks English. I'd love to get him on, like, but because he's just yeah. absolutely class. Yeah. But um, any plans for the evening, Ivan? I'm gonna log off there in a minute now. I don't, I don't know what I'm gonna do. I usually go on a cycle. I usually um, go on a cycle with my mates. On a Saturday, mm-hmm. but it was the weather was terrible today, so we didn't bother. Yeah, uh, not much. I'm probably gonna cook something, do my physiotherapy exercises, and then uh, play some bass because I haven't p- played today. I, I was busy doing some other stuff. You um, seem to me like you're a real uh, like um, old school kind of guy. Like you, you, you don't play computer games or watch a lot of TV. I'd say you, you just read books and play your bass. <laughs> to me, look to be honest i love video games i i i don't know how many hours i've spent playing video games but i don't do it anymore because i i got other priorities <laughs> but you know I, I mean i can't i don't know how many hours i've spent playing final fantasy yeah, was, or skyrim you know, final the, the, the music is amazing yeah, there. The, the soundtracks are great or you know way more old school like on, on the snes and the super nintendo you know mega man or Castlevania stuff like that it's like amazing it'd be good to do covers of the, the uh, bass lines are always brilliant in, all, in those old tunes yeah I mean the 8-bit songs you know like just like in the SNES they're great tunes they're really great soundtracks and I play a lot of that <laughs> but not anymore I just I just I, mean, I don't want to say I don't have the time because you, you kind of like priorities like you, you don't to, think it's good yeah. use of your time yeah I'd rather invest it in something else so I just try to do things that are going to help me long term. Yeah, I'm so, I, I actually stopped playing for years, but then this year I've been playing a bit more, but it's more of a social thing. I'm just, I just play online with my friends because like, there's, there's so little interaction. But apart from my girlfriend, the only people I meet are the guests on the podcast yeah. and people playing video games. Yeah, I mean... I think I mean, this past year and still this year, I think everything is valid to keep your sanity. Uh, do whatever you got to do to to stay, you know, mentally healthy. But fair play because to you. Like I you got a double whammy, like with the leg and then the pandemic. Like that's <laughs> bad luck. Yeah. I mean, to, to be to being completely honest, it has weighed on me. Like the past months I was like, dude, this sucks, you know? And just staying stuck at home all the time, not going out. And every day is the same. I don't know which day mm. it is. <laughs> Things like that. It's definitely, you know, tough on your, on your head. And I think everyone should try at least to find something, anything, at least to, to you know, to, to get you through those tough times. And right now, like I said, being able to, to to write some new music and getting back to playing has definitely brought some some motivation back for me. Well, what I was thinking was like we um we see a lot of stuff about like how bad like social media is and 
everyone saw that new documentary, like The Social Dilemma. But I saw yeah. I saw you getting a lot of support, like about your leg. So I'd say social media helped you, like get through it, like. Yeah, I mean, um, I completely understand all the negative effects of social media that they're shown in that film, for example. Um, I I can see, for example, just as a random example, you text someone and then the person doesn't text you back in hours and you know the person has his or her phone mm. on, you know, on the hand and, you know, texting, and you're already starting thinking about, okay, why why is he or her not, not getting back to me? Is he mad or something? <laughs> uh, or you see them posting on Instagram and not getting back to you and... That is definitely like the the bad side of it, you know, or or people being fake on social media. But one important thing for me was to keep my YouTube channel, to keep my Instagram as open and as honest as possible, because I think that's the best way to go. Uh, also the best way long term. And all the people reaching out and commenting me and asking me how I'm doing has definitely, definitely helped me to 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 get through mentally. Because I was like, okay, you know, the, the things that I was doing have helped people, yeah. you know, to to be better bass players, better musicians, or to have fun. And it's having an impact. So I, I appreciate that they care about mm-hmm. me. So I want to get back to, to giving to them. Yeah, well, at least there's some good side to it, you know. It's not all, all negative. Yeah. It's hard to stay away from it. I'm... It's very addictive, isn't it, to be looking at it? But so you got to get the balance, like. Yeah, totally. I mean, um, one one thing that I've noticed that helps me to to not stay scrolling all the time is if I have to do something, right? I have my my phone, and if anyone needs to contact me, like, and it's important, they're gonna call. Yeah, me. that's true. Yeah, they, you, they can pick that's what my mother call. always says: if it's important, they'll call you back. <laughs> so, yeah, and. I, th- that's why I, when I have to get stuff done, I just turn off my wi- my Wi-Fi, my my mm. internet on the phone. And if anyone if anyone needs to call or or to get to me to or reach out, they're gonna call. Yeah. And if they don't call or you know if my phone doesn't ring, I'm I'm good. I can turn on the internet when I'm done. Yeah, that's true. I don't turn on mine in the morning usually. I leave it till like eleven or twelve, like to turn on the Wi-Fi. Just stay away from it. I need to get a cup yeah, like true. you have. I've. Oh, I have one actually. A friend of mine bought me a a, a podcast cup. <laughs> I saw. I, I like your designs, man. By the way, they don't. They're yeah, great. The, the, I, I'm sold out of the first. Nearly sold out of the first run of the schematic T-shirt. Yeah, which I'm delighted. That's great. With. I mean, they're really cool designs. Yeah, I'm work. I, I hopefully bring out like two or three a year. Like so, um, I'm not great at Photoshop, so I come up with the ideas, and I'll get an artist who's good at Photoshop to put my idea to a to an image like make it the way i want it yeah but sure it's just a bit of fun you know i'm yeah, not, cool. not going to become a millionaire like selling t-shirts but it, yeah. it's enjoyable you know coming up with they're I'm making stuff that i'd like to wear like yeah yeah for sure you have a few things like you have your own your um base merch as well like yeah i mean i have the car but i have my t-shirt but to be honest, I, I just made them because I wanted to have mm. them myself. <laughs> just to yeah, I decided them. not to use no, those um, Chinese sites. I just said, I'll get them screen printed and buy a batch of them, which was a bit of a risk, you know. I could be left with like 50 t-shirts and I'd be wearing the same clothes for the rest of my life. <laughs> yeah. But it's it's, it's worked yeah, out so I, far. I, I, 
Yeah, I printed like one or two t-shirts on the cup just to have them for myself. And if anyone wants them, they can get it. But I'm like, you know, I don't really care. Um, but like I said, I really like your designs. The one of the schematics is really cool. Um, looking forward to more cool, stuff. I've, I've already got the next one made. Like it's uh, owned real too much. But the, uh, an artist who does a few an albums for famous Irish rock bands he is doing it. Like, okay. And then the one after that, I don't know. I'll just roll with it. See what happens. Yeah. Cheers. Cool. Well, thanks for coming on. It's Ivan, isn't it? I'm pronouncing it right. Yeah, it's correct. Ivan. Um, it's got an accent on the A. But I mean, you know, people here in Germany, they call me Ivan uh, or from people online, Ivan. So I don't really care. <laughs> you can call me what yeah, I, w- I would have said Ivan. Only I heard you pronounce it yourself yeah. a few times. So. Yeah. Cheers, man. Sure. And thanks for inviting me, man.